Hello, it's me, John Deeks, and welcome to the Your Life Choices podcast. Great to have you with us today. And today I'm joined by motoring expert and senior journalist for SA Life and many other places, and also seniordriveroz.com, Mr. Paul Morell. And Paul, of course, is uh, very familiar to many of you because he also supplies uh, Your Life Choices with uh, great advice when it comes to, to motoring and all things on four wheels and, and other. Uh, Paul, we're also at your house today, and can I just say how lovely it is to, to be with you face-to-face as opposed to on the phone. So welcome. Thank you, John, and welcome to my home. Lovely to be here, and uh, I wonder what, what kind of cars you have in your garage over the time. So over a year, how many cars did you get to test drive? Uh, over a year, I would be driving something in the tone of 70 cars. 70? Wow! <laughs> how on earth can you evaluate 70 cars? What is your criteria? It's a good question. It's quite difficult. Um, one of the things that happens, John, is because most motoring journalists, myself included, get a car from the manufacturer for one week, it then becomes an issue to sort of put myself in the mindset of what someone's like who has that car for a longer period of time. So in that first week, for example, I might find it very difficult to work out how to turn auto hold off or how to, how to adjust the seats or how to, how to you know, change the stop-start system. Um, but obviously, once you've owned the car for a couple of weeks or a month, then it becomes second nature. So a lot of motoring journalists will complain about where the switches are or how difficult these things are to operate. Whereas for the owner, it is only an issue for a week. I get it, because it's only now, after about two years of uh, driving my car, that I understand all the complexities, all the various technical... And, and with some cars, it becomes incredibly complex. And for us senior members, we don't want to go to uh, a car that is so incredibly advanced because we're just getting used to some technical things and you don't want to keep asking your kid or going back to the dealers, where, how do I turn on the air conditioning or, or, or that kind of stuff? So are cars becoming too techy? Cars are becoming incredibly technical uh, and it is an issue, particularly for, and I, I don't mean this rudely, but particularly for older drivers. Um, these things are becoming more and more complex. I mean, we, we still struggle with computers quite often and different parts of computers. Uh, some of my readers are still complaining about the fact they can't now use CDs in their cars, for example, uh, because we've moved to USBs. Now, for most people, that's not a problem, but if you're used to have putting a CD in the car, then having to change to a USB is a different exercise. And now, of course, we have the added thing where if you've got all your USBs and their A's, that's useless because they're now taking USB-C, so you have to change that as well. So things are changing all the time. And the one thing we know is that change is accelerating, and that makes it difficult. So the car that you bought three, four, five years ago is going to be considerably less technical and complex than the car you've bought now. It is an issue. It's something that's difficult. I... Um, as I said, I have to learn every time I get in a car, and it's quite strange sometimes, you know, which side's the indicator on, something as simple as that. Um, but what I've suggested to a lot of people, and if you're savvy enough with a computer, Facebook will tell you a lot of these things. So you don't have to go back to the dealer and look like an idiot. Uh, you don't have to call your son or daughter in to explain to you how these things work. Go onto Facebook and you will find basically how to operate a lot of these, these functions and at your own pace. Certainly not putting down any particular cars, but if you go from a, a Yaros to a, a Mercedes-Benz uh, 450 SEL or something or other, you're dealing with two extremes. It must be very difficult. It's, look, it's a challenge. It, there's nothing funnier than watching a whole bunch of motoring journalists having to stop and ask the professional guy at the car company, how do I reset the trip meter? 
<laughs> but it does happen where we get into a car and something as simple as resetting the trip meter is different from car to car and you ask the question. So, yes, we do go through these things and we are not infallible by, by any stretch of the imagination. One of the reasons uh, I bought the car that I have was that uh, it's, well, it's not German, so, uh, and it's not, uh, it's not a particular Japanese car that needs to be going to service every six months. What the heck's that about? Anyway, uh, fortunately, I have every 12 months, and it's a very reasonable cost on my particular car. Service costs can be a, a big factor, especially when you're, you know, maybe retirement, you're on a pension, whatever, to, to have your car serviced. Uh, it can be. What are some of the tricks and tips that uh, Paul Morell could give us? Uh, John, it's interesting, before you even get to that, you say you bought the car because it gets serviced once every 12 months. This is an increasingly common situation with new cars. It's good on the basis that you don't have to keep taking it back every six months or every 10,000 kilometres, but it's bad on the other thing that a lot of things can happen to a car in 12 months between the time you get it serviced and the time you take it back. For example, one of my readers came to me and she said, oh, um, I had my car in for its first service and the front tyres are worn out. Now, that's something that a dealer will tell you when you get your car serviced. But if it's from one year to the next, a lot of those things can get quite serious in that one year. And a lot of people just simply aren't aware of those things changing. So what are you saying? What I'm saying is that if you are getting your car serviced once every year, then it's very, very important to keep an eye on all the safety factors. It's almost worth taking it in just for a, a safety check somewhere during that year. What are your thoughts on taking your car back to a dealership as opposed to a registered and, and proper mechanic? Uh, it's interesting that the ACCC has gone through this. Car companies were very strongly in favour of you getting your car serviced, uh, particularly if they're a registered dealer. It's interesting that getting your car serviced now is, is acceptable if you go and have it serviced according to the schedule. In other words, it has to be serviced as the, the manufacturer would require and then your warranty won't be voided. But you have to be very, very careful if you're doing that because you don't know if some independent service centre is following the guidelines put out by the manufacturer. And if that person is not following those guidelines, then you will void your warranty. So what are my service options? John, you have a number of service options. Recently, car companies and, and dealers have introduced a number of different ways you can almost fix the cost of your servicing. My readers, and obviously probably your listeners, get confused about the different ways you can organise your servicing. So we have, for example, capped price servicing. That means that the service will not be cost more than a certain number. All right? So if, if you're buying a car that has capped price servicing, you know in advance how much your servicing is not going to cost any more than. All right? On the other hand, there's a thing called fixed price servicing. Now, that's even better because you know exactly what your service costs will be over a period of three or five years. But what happens if they find uh, an issue with a car that is not under warranty? It's they're obliged to call you and tell you, look, your bushes need to be replaced or something or other? Yeah. Obviously, when it comes to warranty, anything that is an expendable item, so brake pads, clutches, all that sort of stuff, they will not be covered necessarily by warranty. Uh, so, yes, they will tell you that. Uh, but, but usually within three to five years, very few things should go wrong with a modern new car. You also have a thing now where you can do prepaid servicing. So there's a package where you will get a price. It, it varies depending on manufacturer and depending on where the car comes from quite often. So yes, you can, you can talk to the, the salesperson about your options and what they're offering and get the salesperson to explain to you in detail 
what it involves. In other words, cap price, fixed price, prepaid. Make sure you understand exactly what you're buying. Obviously, if you do prepaid and you've prepaid for five years servicing, you may find that you sell the car in three years' time and guess what? You've paid for something that you're not going to use. On the other hand, that'll be a sales feature on the car you sell. So there are there are a number of issues that you need to look into and understand before you hand over your money. And remember, uh, it's always difficult when you're in a dealership to do all these things because it's a stressful situation. It's something you don't do often. And you're, you're excited about buying a new car. Quite often you'll, you'll walk out and go, why did I buy that? Why did I pay for that? Why did I do this? Um, and it's too late by the time you sign the contract, although they do give you a bit of a grace period, but really it's too late to change your mind after you walk out of the showroom. Our listeners of a certain age may be thinking that uh, the next car they purchase might be the last car that they have in their life, and they've probably had many, many, many cars over the time. How does one choose the right car for their, if you will, their last car? I don't think there's anything such as a special last car. Maybe it's maybe it's a sales opportunity for car companies. They should introduce, you know, the ideal last car you will ever buy. Uh, it used to be a case that when people bought particularly things like Mercedes Benzes, they always thought that they were going to last for 10 or 15 years. And a lot of people said to me, that was going to be my last car. It's very unlikely that you're going to be able to predict that it's your last car. So therefore, the normal parameters that you would set to buy a car are the ones that are important, whether it's your last car or your your tenth from last cars. So what are those parameters? Ah, those parameters are that it, it, it meets your needs. You can afford it. It's not going to suddenly cause you problems. Everything about it has to just be what you would normally go through, your normal due diligence, if you like, when buying a car, that you're comfortable getting in and out of it. Now, this is not this is a, an issue for your last car or for most of us as we get older. You know, you'll find that if you get a sports car, all of a sudden it's very hard to get down into a sports car and without making a really grunting old man noise, even harder to get out of it. I remember my mum when I bought an RX-7, she said, oh dear, this is a very selfish car. <laughs> As she was trying to get into it, I said, oh, is it mum? Oh yeah, but it goes like the stink. My brother-in-law got into my Porsche. I didn't think he was ever going to be able to get out. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like for me, number one criteria is when I get into my car, it starts every time. I love that because we've all had cars we've gone, oh dear. So reliability is such a big factor. Oh, it is. It's, look, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than getting into a car and having that, that awful dreaded noise of you know, and you think to yourself, why am I doing this? It's an interesting factor, though, John, that when you buy a car, or indeed when you think about selling a car, because when would you want to sell a car? You sell a car when it starts costing you money and when it starts being unreliable. Yeah, but uh, like I look at my car and I've just done 50... 2,000 Ks on it, and it does everything I want it to do. It's got every bell and whistle that I want, and I finally worked out most of those bells and whistles and how they actually work. Uh, and I think to myself, well, gee, maybe when's a sweet spot to sell a car to change over? Is there a sweet spot? There is, but unfortunately, the sweet spot is usually last month, not next month. <laughs> uh, yes. Look, I, I had one of my readers had a, an Audi. I shouldn't mention the car company name, but it was an old one. And it was actually causing major problems. He was commuting from south of Sydney to Sydney and the car was just not reliable. And I said, look, you really have to sell it, even though it's worth almost no money. You know, you can't afford to have an unreliable car. And of course, the other thing that's really important with buying a new car or when to sell your existing car is how much safety is advancing. 
So when you look at a modern car, the safety built into those cars is so much greater than it was even five or six years ago. So your five or six-year-old car um, isn't going to be anywhere near as safe as a modern car. And that's indicated by now ANCAP is doing a thing where they've, they've started introducing, they've started taking away five-star ratings for cars that would no longer score five stars at ANCAP. So if you've got a car with a five-star rating, as it was, it may not now be a five-star safe car. So you need to take that into account as well. Paul, you're such a, a joy to all of our Your Life Choices listeners and also through your uh, journalistic uh, exploits uh, around the place and, of course, your own car site, which is? SeniorDriverOz.com. And on that, you'll find so much information and uh, certainly for, for our seniors. Uh, thank you so much in the past uh, for your motoring expertise and your incredible knowledge. And also, thank you for inviting me into your home to go through your incredible 15 cars I see here in the garage. It's quite extraordinary. No, there's not at all. <laughs> but, but, Paul, thank you so much indeed, and, and we do appreciate all that you give to Your Life Choices. Thank you, John. Always a pleasure. SeniorDriverOz.com is where you should be going to get all the information that uh, Paul Morell uh, has uh, about cars, and he certainly does know cars because he's, he's our age, folks, and he knows what's going on. And until next time, this is John Deeks on behalf of all of the Your Life Choices team saying thank you, be well, be safe, and drive happy. Drive happy.